Welcome back everyone to Top Deck Insight. My name is Sam and I'm joined by my co-hosts today, Josh and Sarah. We're three friends who love Magic the Gathering and we have created this podcast to bring to you our enlightened conversations. If you like what we do, follow us on Twitter at Top Deck Insight. Now let's get into the episode. Some Saltai Titan's Nest. The deck is fun. It's really good. It's really good. It's, it feels really strong. Um, yeah. And yeah, it is fun. Yeah, there was a point where I was like, wait, I could just exile whenever I want and and just fuck up rogues. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't use the mana. I just mm-hmm. passed the turn. I was like, there's like eight cards in my graveyard yeah. now. Like, oh, that's a really good team of one ones you've got there. <laughs> yeah. Like, can't cast into the story. And, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, anything. this is really good. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, yeah, I think uh, Titan's Nest is the, the Saltai Titan's Nest deck is really strong i'm wondering whether it is an up-and-coming like top meta deck because uh, it is really strong it's just a little underplayed at the moment mm. but it doesn't feel um super weak to anything but aggro but that's just what aggro decks are you know? i think yeah it's difficult because it, it's it's a saltai deck that's hard to play mm. but the other one saltai ultimatum is so easy and so just it's, it's kind of just better isn't it I don't think it is. I don't know. Like maybe I, not. I think I find my uh, my matchup with Saltai Ultimatum with the with the Titans Nest deck. Mm. I think that's a good matchup. I'm happy to go into that. I think you have to think less with Ultimatum. You can you can beat so Ultimatum can beat Titans Nest mm-hmm. without having to think. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> like you. Ha- the thing is with that deck is you have to think so much harder mm-hmm. than them, and and you it's kind do. of like a, yeah. man. This is kind of annoying. Like it can tilt you. And, and I don't know. It is good. It is good. It is. Yeah, you do have to think a lot. It's an exhausting deck to play. Yeah. Uh, against ultimatum decks, sometimes you'll spend like two or three turns just play a land, do nothing, mm-hmm. pass a turn. You, everybody's holding up counter spells. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I really, I, I think I lost to ultimatum once uh, in the time that I played the deck. Um, mm-hmm. My opponent played well, uh, and I, I don't think I was on really top form. I feel like it's a good matchup though. It's, it's strong. Um. And I think that the the ultimatum decks are the the deck that it beats. Like even rogues mm-hmm. is uh, it's, so it's rogues is is a really good matchup if you can resolve the titans nest, titans nest yeah. which is not an easy feat against rogues. Like a four mana sorcery speed spell, which mm-hmm. is blue that you got cast, mm-hmm. is susceptible to drown in the locks after like turn one mm-hmm. or two. It's susceptible to mystical disputes. Like it's it's not easy yeah, it's to not resolve. It's not easy to resolve Titans Nest. I I did fight, I played <clears> against <throat> the Rogues and an Ultimatum, and yeah, yeah. So I played a couple of the Rogues matches, and yeah, I just I, the Rogues if they know what they're playing against, if they know that they're playing against Titans Nest, mm-hmm. uh, they know exactly what they need to do, and they, all yeah. it is just just stop you casting that. Yeah, like you have the advantage of the fact that when they see a uh, Zagroth Triumph. Uh, for turn one mm-hmm. and they think that you're ultimatum then they're more likely to spend their first few turns tapping out because they think you're going to be doing nothing mm-hmm. and they want their counter spells open for like shadows verdict and then ultimatums well that's the thing it's, it's harder to for, to say that because they are rogues and because they're a tempo deck they do play flash creatures yeah so they don't necessarily need to tap out even yeah, if they want they to don't. they yeah. can just hold up counter spell and oh, okay if you don't do anything then i'll flash in my mm-hmm. that's what that's what the beauty of tempo is isn't it so that's 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 sort of what I've I've tried in standard recently. It is a fun deck. Titan's it is. Nest. Yeah, I've I've been having a lot of fun with it. I do want to switch into something a bit more aggressive though, uh, something that where which is a bit less tiring to play. Mm. And I've been thinking about the Naya Toski list Naya that's Toski. been going around. Yeah, so it yeah. has. Um, a, it's very similar to the old Naya Adventures list, which ran like the Adventure Package and then Toski. Mm. Uh, so you've got like Clarion Spirit yeah. and Jasper Sentinel, uh, Edge Walling Keeper, those guys, Lovestruck Beast, Bone Crusher Giant, uh, Giant Killer, and the new list has Elite Spellbinder and Dranath Magistrate. Yeah, um, because that's actually quite a powerful combo. Dranath Magistrate means players can't cast spells from exile while it's on the battlefield, and Elite Spellbinder 
exiles a card from their hand and makes it cost two more for them to cast. But with Magistrate, it means it costs it, infinite it more. Yeah, it's basically like... <laughs> you can't infinite. cast it yet. It's really, really powerful. Uh, Sarah, what have you been doing in, like, Arena? Well, you guys introduced me to Minecraft a week ago. <laughs> um, and that's all you've been doing. So the magic things I've done is I have a Liliana skin, <laughs> and I have 11 dogs that are called magic creatures or planeswalkers. Nice. In Minecraft. In Minecraft. In Minecraft, yeah. yeah. Yes. Why do you have 11 dogs? Sorry, did we just we just kind of gloss over that. You, you know the answer to that question already. Yeah. I didn't want 11, but what am I going to do? <laughs> so you want to not take it home? Yes. Take it home. No. You know in real life when you see a dog and you don't bring it home? It, it's a really close call every time. But they're all like stray dogs. You know? Yeah, I'm helping them out to feed them. Yeah, they're giving all, them a shelter. They're all really happy. They've got different colour collars. They're loving life. Yeah. Just because you can't get your animals to follow you home. <laughs> I can. I you just... you lost a cat and two parrots on the way home. Yes, I did. Yeah, that's true. I have three cats and eleven dogs. It's too much. No, no it's, it's not. too much. When so it, we, we, it so is we too have much. a we have a house. It's so loud. Um, and it's so like <laughs> It's so, so loud. loud. Like, when you're so standing loud. in the house, all you can hear <laughs> is meows and barks and pants. I mean, that is realistic. From, yeah. from the, about 20 cats and dogs <laughs> that, that sounds are very realistic. strewn around. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, Wizards released an article to talk about what they're going to be doing with the Pro League. Mm-hmm. And I would like both of you to explain to me in layman's terms what's going on because i get that it's really bad mm-hmm. it's but pretty... having not really watched or know a whole lot about the pro league you guys could explain to me I mean, to be honest i don't entirely know like, i don't i don't i don't know exactly what a pro league is and how it's different to things but i, I understand josh you take it away <laughs> well this is part of the problem is that um nobody knows nobody knows what's going on with the pro league mm. it's been a poorly communicated hot mess for quite a while and uh, Wizard I think, of the trademark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even the pros didn't even fully understand what was going on. Like they've yeah. rebranded it several times. Um, so it's absolutely no surprise that somebody who isn't seriously into following the pro league uh, would understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't. Uh, I think the vast majority of Magic players do not know what the pro leagues look like and how they work. Mm. Um, this article, though, as you alluded to, Sarah, has not gone down very well with the community. The majority of the pros, the majority of very high-level players, are displeased with this change. Um, the article itself is written quite conservatively. Like, it's written with positivity, uh, of course. Which, uh, But when you cut through that, effectively what the article says is that Wizards is is cutting off support for um, for professional Magic the Gathering uh, and for the the esports side of Magic the Gathering. Uh, they don't want to do Rivals or the MPL uh, anymore. They're on hold. What they said in the article was that they need to reevaluate them. So they're putting them on hold, and they will hopefully build it up from scratch again and introduce something that is better than what we have now. In synopsis, the issue that people take with this is that one, wizards are bad at (laughs) developing things. Uh, And there is no reason to believe that when they redo this, it will be any better than it is now and it's currently garbage. Two, wizards have spoken on a more personal, less public uh, kind of forum to the pros and to paraphrase what Wizards have said, they've effectively told these pros that they should no longer consider Magic the Gathering a an option uh, for a professional career which is not really the same as what they're saying in the article. You know, In the article what they're saying is you can still do this as a job, you're just going to have to take a year break, which is pretty bad yeah that's <laughs> bad anyway yeah mm. uh, but then what they've actually been saying more anecdotally to some of the pros is you should no longer consider this an option you shouldn't you should not 
uh, aim to be a Magic the Gathering esports player, it's it's not going to like we're not going to support it. Um, and so yes, uh, the backlash on this has been pretty severe. Uh, you know, pros uh, who live Magic the Gathering have said that it's done. Mm-hmm. There is mm-hmm. no more pro league. There are no more Magic pros. It is out the window. Um, it's just not going to happen anymore. So things like the Rivals Leagues that we've seen, uh, I don't even know if the World Champion is going to continue happening. The Wizards have said that it is. They have said that that's still going to happen. But yeah, uh, it seems to me that uh, a lot of the pros are, you know, if they're... (laughs) Despite what Wizards have said, the pros have been advised unofficially to find another source of income, to find another source of work really there's still a lot more to this story but what are your guys's impressions so far so i think that's pretty like outrageous because to me it seems like it's it's not something that has it's not something that they've been forced to do i think they've chosen to do this because it, it's financially better for them it's financially probably better for them to they probably realize that they're whatever like they're the amount of money they've been pouring into events, which doesn't seem like it, it looks like a lot because the quality is terrible, but <laughs> you know, it's probably not worth the amount of views that they've been getting or the amount of money they've been getting back. So they've sort of failed safe to an option where it's like, we don't want to do this anymore. Pro players, as, as a gesture on our behalf, <laughs> we're going to tell you to not pursue professional magic you know, because we're so nice. And that's why it seems like it is to me. It doesn't seem like it's something they've been forced to do, not because of like the pandemic or anything. Because I think what they actually did mention, yeah, they mentioned they something about like Getting in light of COVID. Gathering. And I'm like, no, this is not anything to do with COVID. Yeah. No, yeah. you've just you, you just, just released a digital client. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this is perfect for you to shift professional magic into Arena. And mm-hmm. it would actually be so much cheaper to do it all on arena mm-hmm. than to fly everybody to Hawaii every year, <laughs> yeah. which exactly. they've done in the past. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like how, like, yeah. No, that I think that like that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They, the, the pro magic that we've seen since it shifted over to remote has been absolutely awful. Like the quality has been terrible, yeah. and I mean this in no way as an insult to the players or the commentators. Players and the commentators are incredible i really do enjoy watching high level magic professional magic uh, in part because the commentate commentating is so good and there's you know you see some really cool stuff but the production value mm-hmm. that we've seen since um uh the world championship that took place in hawaii last which i think was the one where matthias leverato won mm-hmm. um since then i think it's all been done remotely and it's been garbage. Like, yeah. It's been really, really bad uh, with just like video stream issues and uh, like lag and uh, mm. like commentators are, you know, speaking and you can just see their bedroom behind them. Mm-hmm. Whereas whereas before that, you know, they'd fly them all out to Hawaii. They'd put them up in hotels. They'd buy everybody nice suits. And like it, it must cost them a fraction of the money to shift it all to arena. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it seems like they have almost used that as an excuse. I think, the uh, yeah, them mentioning the pandemic as a reason for this change really annoyed me. Yeah, like, because I, I remember one uh, one of the online sort of uh, events they were doing. So you guys have heard of, I think his name's Riley, Riley Knight or something, Riley, mm-hmm. Riley Quarry Tower. Riley Quarry Tower. Riley Quarry Tower, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's one of the yeah. commentators, and I love him. He's really good commentator. He does great work. He's a great commentator. But even the, the production value of it was so bad. They had him talking for like, they basically forced him to talk like 10 minutes straight of like analyzing the last match or something. And it was so boring. I was like, <laughs> I love Riley Knight, but they made him sound boring. And he's a great personality. They failed. The whole scene failed because of them and purely them, in my opinion. So yeah, this is this is a pretty outrageous, uh, outrageous week. I agree. Say. The whole scene did fail because of Wizards' decision. Yeah. However, I have researched a little bit more about, you know, what might have gone into this decision, and I 
have kind of changed my tune on the subject mm -hmm. that this is a bad thing. Okay. Uh, and I, I'm gonna Hot take. Yeah, I, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna talk to you guys uh, about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a bit about what I've learned, and I'd like to know whether that changes your decisions. Okay. So the source of a lot of this is a letter written by. Uh, Adam Jameson back in 2018 an open letter which is out on the internet and you can read it um, addressed to Cedric Phillips and Jerry Thompson who uh, so Cedric had a podcast at the time a Magic the Gathering podcast and and he had Jerry Thompson uh, I don't know whether he was a guest or a co-host but I think the context is that on this podcast Wizards had just made a change to professional magic mm -hmm. not a change people were happy with and uh, people were, you know, saying a lot of the same things. Um, and Cedric was complaining, who's very heavily critical of Wizards. Much the same as what's going on now. Um, now, Wizards are in the wrong. I'm not trying to convince anybody of that. If Wizards really wanted the game to be a healthy, happy environment, they would invest in their pro players. They would not be doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It does all come down to money. But... Um, Adam Jameson is, uh, so he's kind of a, um, uh, he's an analyst of game economy mm -hmm. and he's written this really good article, uh, kind of outlining the history of Wizards decisions with the MPL and why it's gone the way that it has. So to give you the very brief history, um, I think back in like the early 2000s, late nineties, Wizards were very focused on professional play. Mm -hmm. uh, they were almost entirely focused on professional play. And to maximize interest in professional play, their target demographic is young competitive men. And that is a big part of why in the early 2000s, Magic the Gathering, and to this day, to be totally frank, Magic the Gathering is dominated by that demographic because mm -hmm. like when this is of course um, a generalization but a lot of the people who I know who are you know in air quotes uh, lifelong fans of Magic the Gathering who have been playing it for decades are exactly that they will have been competitive young men back in this era that's mm -hmm. who Wizards was trying to target yeah um, and Long story short, that really wasn't doing a whole lot for sales. They were investing a lot into these pros and it wasn't doing a whole lot for sales. And you can extrapolate that to now. Um, Wizards investing in the pro scene does not get people playing magic. Most people do not care about pro magic. Most magic players do not care about pro magic. Um, yeah. And so they decided to sort of shift away from this, uh, this kind of tactic of targeting just the pros and actually you can even see changes in the artwork uh, before and after this change before they decided to really knuckle down on professional magic or these decades ago uh, magic art was a bit more fantasy uh, and uh, after the change you start to see it go a bit more mage punk like mm. it's kind of like uh, cool dark twisted images and like twisted creatures and 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 it becomes a lot more like like I say targeted at a specific demographic mm. um, and to be frank you see that now when you look at pro magic players um, it's vastly vastly dominated by uh, Caucasian males um, and you know like not to discredit them I think Autumn Bachet is fantastic but wizards absolutely fawn over them because they are a trans player mm -hmm. you know like wizards really really push oh we have a pro who is trans mm -hmm. so we're totally inclusive look how inclusive the mpl is but it's not it is the mpl is not representative of wider society or of magic players mm. most magic players aren't interested in pro play that makes a lot okay. of sense yeah um and the fact of the matter is that magic is probably at the height of its popularity right now and actually it, it, it was it, it, it dipped uh, so it, it reached a very popular stage 
and then it started to air quotes die mm-hmm. and in, in recent times or? no like uh, quite a while ago oh, okay. um and now i think it's at the height of its popularity again and the reason for that is because wizards have been focused on targeting a more varied wide mainstream demographic yeah and pushing games like commander things like the commander product so wizards have enough money this this is this is my this is really key to the point wizards have made enough money to just support their pro play and mm. to support the MPL to support um, pro players professional players uh, and to just do it all they have enough money to just yeah. do it all but and uh, so yeah they, they didn't need to change direction they could have done both or maybe they couldn't in the past when magic was struggling mm. but it's not now they're yeah. wildly successful they can do both now uh, but what they are doing is what's being overlooked here i think you know they are are in my opinion running the game in such a way that it's targeted more at the casual player and that is better that is better for the game uh it is better for the game to be focused on the more casual player okay rather than it just being designed as a sport well it's it is really difficult because it is that point of as you mentioned before they they can be doing both Mm -hmm. they could be doing both they can adhere to their whole base of uh players but then they're prioritizing one over the other because it's it's a bigger portion and i actually feel like that's bad because also yeah if- i agree uh i agree that that is it is you know it is bad uh and i am not advocating on wizard's behalf here mm. but let me just read you the end of the letter uh, that Adam Jameson wrote here. I'll, I'll just read it out because I think that Adam puts the point in a much better way than I'm able to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Since I don't want to end this letter on too pessimistic a note, I'll offer a few hopeful words of advice. Please keep in mind that I am not a magic pro, but if I were, I would try to take more of my well-being into my own hands. 15 mm-hmm. years ago, when Wizards was ignoring the casual players, some of those players created Elder Dragon Highlander, which went on to become mm. Commander, now the most popular magic format, and which is still maintained by its own independent rules committee. Today, if the pros feel slighted by wizards, then they should make the version of magic they want to exist. Their own tournament scene, their own formats, their own banned and restricted lists, their own Hall of Fame, rather than relying on wizards to maintain institutions it created in a totally different era, when the company's priorities were different from what they are now. The pros should also unionize or enter into some other collective partnership and make their stand together, collectively working to attract sponsors and streaming deals. More than anything else, the pros should recognize that their fortunes won't necessarily rise or fall with wizards or with magics, but the pros will certainly rise and fall with each other. And I think that what Adam is really trying to say here is, yes, wizards could do it, but it's also not actually their responsibility mm. and they're rubbish at it anyway. We mm-hmm. know, If they tried yeah. to do it, we know from recent history that they do a bad job. So why don't the pros and the pro commentators and the pro streamers all collaborate a little bit more and build something of their own, make it work independent of Wizards? So this letter was actually written in direct response to something that Cedric said on this podcast, which was something along the lines of Wizards basically hire me to do this. You know, I know what it's going to take to fix this. You're making all the wrong decisions with the MPL. You need to get me in to fix it. And actually, Cedric has said the exact same thing on Twitter recently in response to this change. He, he yeah, he, he has said something, um, something along. Uh, he said something in a in his tweet of strings, and then it, and then it ended it with, um, I don't know, something like I can do it, uh, like I can do this, um, and what. Adam is effectively saying here is 
yes, it would be easier if you got wizards to hire you to do this because you'd have the support. But that doesn't mean that it's impossible to do it without. Mm. And you can do it without. Uh, Cedric and you know, not to call out Cedric, but uh, the other Magic the Gathering pros, the pillars in the community, can build something that they believe is the right version of Magic. Uh, that they believe is, is you know, it can be a competitive Magic League. It doesn't have to be Wizards organising it. Yeah. And actually it would be so much better if it, it wasn't. Because be. Wizards are really bad at it. It might even be that internally Wizards have been planning for years or why don't we really lower the quality of all of the pro professional play so that somebody else will just do it <laughs> or we'll just hope that somebody else picks it up yeah. and does it it would be better for professional play it would be better for the community the less we rely on wizards the less we rely on them to it, yeah. to make these decisions it's it is difficult when that so that situation where it's like a, a competitive scene without wizards so it would it would you envision it they'd still be like sponsoring the events and stuff or possibly yeah because if they have so the only sort of other scene that i'm aware of is like smash brothers and smash brothers competitively basically is the complete opposite of what is good um <laughs> nintendo absolutely hates competitive smash brothers <laughs> they <laughs> like they will go out their way to make sure tournaments don't happen they will go out their way to like copyright strike big like people yeah it's really okay. awful um because they're weird <laughs> i don't know why but it it comes down to the point of the only reason they did it is because of money like they get money out of uh like hosting their own terrible online tournaments <laughs> and making sure viewership goes to them instead and things like that but with with this scene so because because of that attitude the the smash brothers competitive scene they've been by themselves since day one they've built their scene day one without nintendo's help like with all of their crowdfunding and all that mm -hmm. and so they've gotten really good at it but right now the magic professionals that we know and and have devoted their life and committed their life to getting good at magic they have done that because they've had the support of wizards yeah. and now it's been dropped you know that's a lot of time wasted really not wasted but like that it, it's kind of like if you spent your life learning something and then you got to you know you got to utilize it for like five more years and mm. then it's like oh well this there's a you know we have automated machines that do this now so yeah. you, you're, you're redundant like wizards are kind of like they, they've promised these but by supporting the competitive scene these past like 20 years and pushing the competitive scene they've promised these players you know this like competitive career which is why they do it they that's why they devote their life to it and then they go and like they they just drop it because it benefits them mm. kind of mm -hmm. i guess i am kind of demonizing wizards a little bit but yeah that's that's sort of my view on it is and, and i get the the frustration is because they have shown they have shown commitment they basically created a commitment wizards created a commitment to the competitive scene they created these jobs mm -hmm. basically and then they're you know they're not they're not committing to that commitment yeah. yeah um that's that's what that's the reason there is outrage for this that is simply it yeah um absolutely wizards have done something bad here I, yeah like, no i don't dispute that um but you're trying to i, I get that you're trying to find think, the good here yes what's yeah going on here. not good news uh for sure and it's kind of shaken up a lot of the online magic community but uh we have to remember in situations like this that you sometimes you've got to take a step back and look at the bigger picture mm -hmm. um you kind of see our community as the the be all and end all um like sarah you have a much more casual um kind of relationship with magic than me and sam do mm. uh and this news i don't think will have bothered you as much because you didn't really follow any pro players mm. or watch any pro play um and I so disagree. yeah yeah I don't agree with what you've said. I. That's not true. I agree with what you said. I think any. I think we could do a better job than Wizards <laughs> of making a pro play scene. But yeah. I think you've made it seem like oh the underdogs they get to rise against the company and make this amazing thing. And what's actually happened is a really shitty company have made more money in the last year because they've not been able to do as many pro play tournaments and have gone oh this is great. So we'll just carry on doing that. That's and a good point. Sorry, all you guys that spend hours and hours streaming every day getting yourselves ready to play in these tournaments tough shit do it yourself 
Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I don't disagree with that sentiment. Like, like I say, I'm not trying to frame Wizards as not the bad guy here. They absolutely are. <laughs> so many <laughs> negatives. <laughs> They're the worst guy. Um, but I do think that the magic community, that the pros, could, to be frank, could do more. Yeah. So that was an interesting um, week for magic. But uh, going forward, what do you guys think is the most or the most sensible amount of commander decks to own? <laughs> <laughs> so, what I mean by that is like, at what point do you stop buying more decks and just start focusing on upgrading your own decks? Because I think as a group we all do a bit of both. Mm. We buy new decks or we upgrade our own decks, and do you guys feel like we've kind of we're kind of at the sweet spot now? We've all got, I think we've all got four decks, or you've got three. I've got three. You've got three. You've got four. I've got three. Maddie has two. Jordan has two because he got rid of Niv. So what? I guess. Do you have any like? Do you think you would build another deck? I always have a desire to yeah. build another deck, but I don't know what it is. Like with my decks, as I think we said before, they fully start with the commander. Mm-hmm. Like I see a card. And I'm like, oh, I want to build a deck around that. So I'm always willing. Always, yeah. yeah, I'm always thinking I could build another deck, but yeah. I don't know what I would build right now. Because the reason the reason I'm sort of asking this is because as as you guys know, I've been wanting to build a new commander deck for a couple of weeks now, mm-hmm. and I have no idea what to build. Um, and instead, I thought, wait, why don't I just use this sort of similar amount of money and upgrade my deck Mm -hmm. with like good upgrades yeah so what i have done is picked out i I put myself about a 30 pound budget to upgrade my wing grace um and that's what i picked out i picked out a couple cards to upgrade it and i was thinking like what how do you guys sort of approach that like what do you spend your money on like what what's the next uh because obviously i'm not saying it's wrong to use that money to build buy another commander deck or buy another like precon or something but how do you guys decide which one you do? Uh, I reckon that. So, I think that the minimum is two. Uh, yeah. For most players, I think the minimum is two. I mean, really, the minimum is one. Uh, but I think that every <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically, the minimum is zero. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no. I think one. I think everybody should have one. In the world. Everybody in the, world. in the world. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, no, I I think that everybody should have a casual deck uh the kind of deck that you would be willing to play or that would be fun to play for both people uh if one of them had never played magic before if it was their first time playing magic first Mm. time playing edh Mm. i think everybody should have that casual deck um and i think that's important especially if you like to play with other people in game stores which nobody's done for a year but um if you play a game and you just stump everybody with your deck you need to switch out to your weaker deck. You need to switch out oh, to your more casual really deck. That's really intense. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, Do you have some kind of experience you want to share with us? <laughs> I saw a tweet about that, actually. Somebody said exactly that. If you're going to a game store and you're looking to play with people you don't know, don't just bring your CEDH deck and expect people to just be okay with it. Damn, Urza player. I that was literally it. I think that was it. I couldn't remember the card, but that was it. It was an Urza deck. And they're yeah. like, you need to bring something casual that you can just have fun with. I don't mean to come across as some kind of oracle of Magic the Gathering on Twitter, <laughs> but it was Rachel Weeks. Ooh. It was Rachel Weeks. Week. Um, it and was yeah, Rachel Weeks. Yeah, you do. You need to... If you, if you play a deck and you stomp the group, and it's a group you've not played with before... You have to switch that deck to a more mm. casual deck. Mm. And you everybody should have a casual deck. It's the first one you should build. Just make it something fun, like a tribal deck, something a little bit goofy, more casual, nice and colourful, simple mm. mechanics, that kind of thing. Uh, and and never really upgrade that. Uh, or you okay. or you can upgrade it, just never really overpower it. Okay. Um, yeah. Like for me, it's uh, a Man Pirates deck. Um, it's like a, a simple mechanic, but I will definitely focus on having pirate themed cards over good cards yeah. um like so one debate uh biden of thassa versus coastal piracy both two blue blue both have the same effect which is whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player you may draw a card mm. biden of thassa is an artifact and has an additional ability which lets you tap your opponent's creatures coastal piracy 
is an enchantment and doesn't. So Biden and Thassa are strictly better. Mm. Not I'm not strictly because it, there's a debate around, you know, is an artifact or an enchantment better? Mm. Uh, but Biden and Thassa is better. Um, but I will play Coastal Piracy because it has piracy Listen, in the name. Biden of Thassa no, in the deck. Yes, I, play, I do play both. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. I was like, I'm sure that's in it's the like, deck. Like, where are you going with yeah. this point, John? Uh, I, I do play both, but just to illustrate the way that I would approach it. Right, yeah. Okay. yeah, I think you've got to have that casual deck. As for an upper limit, I don't know where I sit on this. I think that when you start to have more than like four decks, cards really start to overlap. Um, mm. Like the the big expensive cards, you kind of want to put them in multiple decks. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to have to buy multiple copies of those cards. Mm-hmm. So then, do you have like some really strict card like core deck system that you you know you're swapping out mm. cards each time you play? Maybe. Maybe you play with all the same sleeves so that you can just switch mm. things around between the decks. But that seems like a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does seem awful. And so I don't know uh, exactly. I, I feel like four is a sweet spot for me because. Um, it's just it's enough variety uh, it mm-hmm. gives me some time to play but i think that whilst i don't strictly think there is a, a right number of decks i think there is a right approach mm-hmm. and i think one thing that people should do more often is let go of decks um so i think if you're not having <laughs> looked at Sarah yeah i was gonna say that. you totally noticed that you looked at me right i didn't i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> i was addressing the wider room <laughs> the wider room um i think that you should be willing to break apart a, a deck that you've had for a while and try mm-hmm. something else because that's i think i mean i guess you again you can enjoy magic whatever way you want i'm not going to tell you how to enjoy mm-hmm. edh uh, but i think that if everybody were more willing to just take apart a deck and build something new then you'd get to play so much more different, varied, creative magic. You'd get to deck build a lot more, but you wouldn't amass a whole ton of decks. So, so. that's the that's the difficult because I, my experience kind of is the exact opposite of that. Because, so to be more specific, my I've mentioned before that I really wanted to build Corvold, which is the Jund sacrifice commander, um, and I really like sacrifice. I played them in standard. I played them in historic. So I thought it'd be great to play him in uh, Commander. But the only reason that I haven't is because my Jund Windgrace deck currently has like all the staple lands, all mm. the staple Jund cards. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to... First of all, if I... If I'd effectively had to take apart Lord Windgrace, otherwise I'm spending like £200 on Corvold. Yeah. Um, and in taking apart Lord Windgrace, there's a bunch of cards that are bad in Corvold, such as like Oracle of Moldaya, it's just yeah. a, it's a landfall card, or, or it makes you play like multiple lands, whatever. And that's not that necessary in Corvold, but that costs like £20 or something. Crucible of Worlds lets you play lands from your graveyard. Mm. I won that in like a promo event or something, that's like a £25 card. The, it would, in a taking that Lord Wengrace apart, I would have effectively like lost a lot of value in those cards because then they would just be sitting in my binder and I'm not really going to sell cards either uh, yeah. and then I'm taking the deck apart so there's, there, there is nowhere for them to go um, and despite the fact that I probably love Corvold more and I would like that card and I'd, I'd like that commander more because I already have Lord Wingrace I haven't built Corvold mm. what do you think of that? I think that you're right Like I do think that the way that I'm describing it means a lot more work in building new decks and a lot more money probably because you're still buying yeah. new cards yeah. but i think that if you're the kind of person who starts to amass decks who wants to build more and more mm. that's the way you have to do it yeah. you build your jund core pack your jund staples and your jund lands and, and then yeah change your jund decks around like so what if oracle of maldaya sits in a binder for a month while you're playing corvold mm. and then you reshift it around and you you, you know you, you go back to the land matters deck mm. um i think that there is a difference though of course uh online versus paper huge yeah. difference yeah like ultimately online build as many decks as you want yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. uh do whatever you want have as many different configurations of the same deck as you want <laughs> exactly yeah uh, and that makes it a lot easier i guess what we're questioning in paper is that some people have this idea that if they have too many decks mm. it's uh 
it's foolish and gets expensive. Um, I think another way around it is proxies. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if you just proxy cards, you can experiment with and build a lot more decks. Uh, but then That's I think true. I think the best way to approach that is, you know, you could proxy a bunch of Corvold, um, build the deck, play it, and decide whether you want to keep that or not. Yeah. Um, if you don't, a proxy yeah. deck. Just take like a, it yeah. apart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a really tough question. It is. But I think, whilst I don't really have a number in mind, I think that people should build more decks because that's it's really fun. It's really fun mm-hmm. building and designing and playing a new deck. Uh, I also think people should take apart more decks than they usually yeah. do. Because because even though I haven't, I didn't want to take apart Lord Windgrace. I did, <laughs> I did take apart uh, my first ever commander deck, which is Rien. That was the nine colored, yeah. yeah, the multicolored mess. And I took that apart to build Rin and Seri, mm-hmm. which I then just gave to Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even I think even Rin and Seri had some cards that were still in. So Karametra mm-hmm. was part of that, and obviously she's way better. Well, he or she, well, it is a god. <laughs> that god creature card was was obviously way better in Rien, but like. That Rien deck did have a bunch of expensive cards, and those do just sit in my binder. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Like it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Like I'll never take apart Tesa. Exactly. Yeah, you'll never take I've apart Tesa. I never will. Like Atraxa, I would take apart Atraxa. Yeah. I wouldn't because I'm enjoying playing it. But yeah. what I mean is, there's not yeah. an attachment, well, I guess, to Atraxa. I Atraxa's. think Atraxa is a really good example because you play Atraxa in an infect shell. Yes. You could play Atraxa in so many different shells. That's just a really diverse commander. Which I think I actually will. I think I will continuously evolve Atraxa because she is just great. And she can be great in so many different things. That is kind of like flavorful as well. Like Atraxa is just so like, you know, that she's four colors. She's finicky. She is a bit, yeah, she does what she wants. Yeah. Yeah, you know, she'll today she's an infectinia. This, this other day, counters. she's making giant hydras. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Maybe would... <laughs> I could do that rather than the core thing that you're talking about. I could do that, but with a tracer, but changing because the land, the like land will pretty much be them. the same for all of my decks. Every no, as in oh, all of the tracer, configurations but with every of a tracer. possible iteration of a tracer. <laughs> so I want like to a, make there's a... one minus counter card. One <laughs> actually, yeah. that would work because it's proliferate. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That would work. Yeah. So the theme is just. Counters of various different kinds. Yeah, I do. You could just do every counter that exists. I think that'd be fun. I think the other thing that you can do is have um, to kind of try and shave down the decks that you have. Is have alternate commanders. I really like alternate commanders. That's true. Mm. Um, like in my pirates deck, the main commander is Admiral Beckett Brass, mm. um, and then I also have my chaser of the Dusk, Dusk Rose uh, as an alternate commander, which kind of turns it from a hit somebody with three pirates deck mm-hmm. to just attack everyone every turn <laughs> um and it you know it, it changes the deck a little yeah mm-hmm. and uh makes it uh, you know i feel a little bit more versatile to play so yeah i'm a, I'm a fan of like alternate commanders as well and you have three different versions of taser in your taser deck yeah you right. could have any one of them yeah. as the commander and you could swap it out each game I think that's a, a mechanic that's sort of pushed as well because one of the precons that have existed, I think they all specifically include like one legendary creature that can also be the commander. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like in the in the newest Strixhaven ones, the um, Vayran, which has actually become one of the strongest commanders to be to be printed, is is the secondary commander in the Prismari deck. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. in the deck, but it's not the commander. It's just a creature that's right. good, and then people are like. Yeah, just just better. Better. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that they've been pushing um, with all the precons. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool, I will say. Yeah, like your um, Rin and Seri deck as well runs Marasi. Mm-hmm. No, Marisi. Marisi, Marisi, yeah. Marasi is a character from the Mistborn series. <laughs> not sponsored. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. Great book though. Check it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, Marisi the of the of Twin Coil. Twin. Mm. Oh, breaker break of the coil. Yeah, there is. Breaker there's the, the couple in there, but that's <laughs> breaker of the coil is what. Uh, you're yeah, Marisi, alternate commander for that deck. And that, that is true. Yeah, yeah. that changes the tactic from make a bunch of cats and dogs to deal damage every turn mm-hmm. to as many people as possible, um, which you know makes for some very very gameplay. Yeah, I think I have Kaikar in my storm deck and I don't actually think I have an alternate commander. So. 
Shouldn't have mentioned <laughs> that. We just put Jeskai Ascendancy as the... No, Jeskai Ascendancy as the commander. I um, you did. Yeah, that was... Yeah, I had Nostro, Voice of the Crag. Oh, yeah. But that card's really rubbish. <laughs> so, so I've taken that yeah. out now. Um, I could definitely play like... A, so I could change that to something like, a, I don't know, Narset. Um, the Jeskai Narset's Planeswalker. Yeah. Don't know. I'm sure there's something I could do, though. That'd be a I'm great sure commander. I, I, I really like that card. Jessica Narset. But yeah, I guess, yeah, my deck's too. The It's not too powerful, Jessica Narset. Yeah. The Rogues the rogues one has... It wasn't actually in the pre-con, but I bought Zarad San. That mm. could be like a commander ninjutsu kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then Akiri could be go to the original pre-con where it was Wyleth, um, mm. which is a great commander. Uh, Akiri's... I like Akiri more, but she's cool. Yeah. But yeah. And that, that has a bunch of legendary creatures, actually. That has Aurelia in it as well. That could be a commander. So maybe I should just I should try like yeah I don't know about Lord Wingrace because the so the Lord Wingrace was a pre I didn't buy him as a precon but the precon deck has Thantis the Warweaver as like the yes. secondary mm. kind of commander and that's not really lands based at all mm. it's just a good really good commander deck a commander card um, so I don't know what I would switch out as the commander for Lord Wingrace I guess if there's like a Jund lands matter well, commander if in doubt always just switch to Golos. <laughs> That's a good point. Golos is Golos just would be good in that deck. Always a good commander. I wouldn't be able to proc him though unless I have Chromatic Lantern. Yeah, that's true. I'd have to change the mana base. Yeah. But yeah, like... That actually is... Uh, so my alternate commander for my Morophon deck mm-hmm. which is a uh, five-color Eldrazi um, is Golos and it makes a really interesting shift in dynamic because with Morophon Morophon makes all my all of my Eldrazi cost Wooburg less mm. to cast so the plan with Morophon is to make as much colourless mana as possible mm. uh, and that makes the deck a lot more powerful if Golos is the commander then the plan is to assemble all of my colours of mana so I can prop mm. Golos yeah. um, and so you know that's really quite difficult actually you know, mm. you know, shifting those around completely changes the game plan of the deck but the deck can do both It does work. I just have to prioritise different things yeah, yeah. Like I'll I'll be able to search for lands and instead of searching Urza's Tower or, or the the Tron lands, I'll search for Path of Ancestry and uh, uh, Command Tower mm-hmm. things like that. Maybe we should all build partner decks. I really like yeah. partner. I think we could have like a fun, like what if we did? So if we all built like a partner deck and then we just played those against each other, yeah, or mm-hmm. well, just for like one game at least to see. That'd be fun. I, I do like partner, and I think you can see that in the fact that half my commander decks have companions. companions. That's true, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. companions are just so good. They They're are. so they busted. Are just the best mechanic. Yeah, yeah. It, it's Free so card. insanely powerful. Like Golos, um, the Morophon deck has Gigantha mm-hmm. as a companion. Golos and Gigantha is broken. Pretty com- pretty <laughs> combo. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you get Gigantha down and then Golos, then Gigantha taps to add. Wooburg, mm. which means Golos can be triggered for two colorless mana, mm. which is so good. Yeah, uh, companions are just great. Um, I have Yorian as a companion on my Flicker deck, and he sees play. I mean, he's, Yorian he's, is the he commander. Might as well be the yeah. commander. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rune doesn't get cast. <laughs> Yorian's the companion. Uh, sorry, Rune's the companion. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, companions. I would say I would like to see. So companions are super broken, but I do think they could have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Like if they were, if Yorian and Laris weren't so powerful, Laris is one of the most powerful cards I think ever been printed. Yeah. Uh, but if they weren't so powerful, I th- I think there would have been a really fun mechanic, and I would I think in the future, I would actually that would be a mechanic I'd like to see come back if they balanced it. Like revisit Ikoria. Yeah, because some of them aren't busted. But yeah. They just really mess it up. Like yeah. Lutri's garbage. Lutri's yeah, <laughs> because he's Laris and Yorian are busted. Gigantha's fine. Umori um, kind of. Saw play a little bit. Yeah, Amoria was, I think, the right, like the, the, the upper right level, level of how yeah. strong they should be. I like, I liked the the thematic ideas behind the companions, like yeah. Obosh being odd coloured and mm. Garuda being even coloured. Yeah, I think e- even, even Garuda, <laughs> like Garuda, of course, we saw like really uh, cheesy, uh, cheesy, yeah, combo <laughs> decks, which uh, which weren't really super fun to play against. But you had to be very specific about mm. how you built the deck. It pretty much only did that one thing, yeah, and that makes it okay. Lurus is good in everything. In, in mono black enchantments, in mono white life gain and aggro, <laughs> in in yeah, in rogues. Like it's yeah, Lurus is ridiculous. L- yeah, and then Yorian is the same. 
pretty much any control deck you can put <laughs> 20 extra cards in. yeah yeah um yeah they're, they're far too powerful whereas uh you know so, some of the companions i feel like were the right level of strength and yeah, yeah and some of them were really really bad so mm-hmm. it would be good to see them revisit and rebalance that mechanic i'd like to see a zerda deck Zerda's i think zerda good. could be good to be honest yeah that's one that makes activated abilities cost two less yeah it'd be really good in equipments but then it'd be hard because all your creatures would suck all the equipment would be great, yeah. but the, equip- the creatures would suck. Maybe I could try and build it, because Akiri has an activated ability. So maybe actually I could build Akiri into... Oh, but I'd have to give up so many good creatures. Yeah. I'd have to give up like Pure Steel Paladin and stuff. Yeah, but you could play Tajik. I have Tajik. Yeah? Yeah. Um, can't think of anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'd have to That's take out Aurelia. I'd have to take out... Aurelia has a... That's a triggered ability. Aurelia, really, uh, the one that has Mentor, the, the 2 5 flyer. Yeah. That's an activated ability. Uh, yeah, a triggered ability. Triggered ability. Yeah, you're right. It okay. didn't have a mana cost or a cost. Yeah, I'd have to give up like Leonin Shikari, which I love. That lets me activate things at instant speed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so that, that was what I wanted to ask because I, yeah, I, I have decided to buy cards for Wind Grace. And I think. I mean, I think I was mostly motivated because. Maddie did buy the Wingrace playmat. I was like, oh, I'm going to make him really good now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to main him. <laughs> she wanted to get me the Wingrace sleeve as well. because So we saw a, um, it was like the Commander 2018 game nights and Wingrace was on it. And they all had like the playmat and the sleeves. I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> I want all of them. Um, but we couldn't find the sleeves anywhere, unfortunately. But yeah, we got the playmat. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I decided to upgrade him. Uh, and yeah we'll see I think it'll be a lot more fun it'll mm-hmm. be fun to play there's mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of fun cards that I've ordered probably some mean ones great you are investing major upgrades into what is quite comfortably your strongest deck yeah, yeah. which uh, is something you should definitely do could have ramifications on the play group though you know you're like what, what if you what if you play it and it's way too powerful what what will you do what I don't think that it will be. That, that's um, an evaluation I take before I buy the cards. Like, yeah. mm. I don't think the cards that I bought will make it way too powerful. I think they're powerful, but not way too powerful. Yeah. Since we are a proxy comfortable playgroup, mm-hmm. we don't optimize our decks for like CEDH levels, but we do play a lot of powerful cards mm. and we do build a lot of powerful decks. Yeah. So I don't think that it will be too powerful, but what would you do if it was? Tough shit, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get back. <laughs> Stomp you every Make week, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. You guys <laughs> suck. <laughs> We're just talking smack about you and Jordan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, uh, and our storm decks. Yep. <laughs>